0: I'm Mike Gillis. And
1: I'm Casey Doran. And this is Radio versus the Martians.
0: This month, The Fast and the Furious.
1: the dawn of the new millennium, It came barreling into cinemas with the force of 10,000 V8 engines revving in harmony, refracted through the sweat on engorged biceps, and announced with all of the triumphant emotive power that only new metal, rap rock, and hip-hop combined could muster. It was the year 2001, born amidst the first offerings of other mega franchises like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Who then could have predicted its rise, its endurance, its cultural supremacy? With a premise so absurd, a pose so hammy, and a voice so attuned to the knuckleheaded and adolescent in all of us, it could not be contained in a single movie. I am, of course, speaking of The Fast and the Furious. The Fast and the Furious franchise spans seven movies, starring an ensemble cast of beefcakes and babes, Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Dwayne the Rock Johnson... Tyrese Gibson, Michelle Rodriguez, Gal Gadot, and Zachary Ty Bryan, to name a few. They are the players in these epic yarns, accompanied by a supporting cast of a legion of souped-up, tricked-out, impossibly cool automobiles. I've said before that the Indiana Jones films are like a love letter to stuntmen. Well, these movies are a raunchy penthouse forum letter to stunt drivers. You've got car races, car crashes, car fights car explosions, car stunts, and let's face it, car porn. Even for a mope like me who can barely find the hood release lever on my sedan, I can appreciate the variety of unique jalopies, both muscle and imports, and how each car matches the personality of its driver and the overall absurd balls-out display of infernal combustion. Cars, check. Dudes, okay, we got it. Babes, yo. But you're maybe you're asking, what are these movies even about? Well, they're street racing movies, action movies, heist movies, espionage thrillers, police procedurals, buddy comedies, juvenile power fantasies, all rolled into one. Well, except for Tokyo Drift. I have no idea what that movie is about. (laughs) But these movies are also like a Transformers film. They're audacious and loud, and they're flaunting their total apathy for dramatic substance. And like a Michael Bay movie, they have momentum. These films keep moving forward, increasing the jeopardy, getting louder and bigger, and not afraid to get stupid. And they do it all, while retaining a commercially wise, demographically safe PG-13 rating. And the franchise I think does in an inverse police academy. In defiance of the laws of thermodynamics, they get more fun, more profitable, and more fist-pumpingly grand with each iteration. In fact, it's currently the 15th most successful film franchise nestled between Transformers and Pirates of the Caribbean, of all time. And I, I did not know what I was getting myself into when we stepped into these movies, having never seen one before. I was just impressed by what began as a capable but dated first movie, devolved into a truly boring second and third entry, and found its sea legs as they grew into an ensemble cast of roguish, do goodering engine-revving outlaws. It doubled down on character-driven heist stories and built onto that, The addition of huge actors like Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham guided these movies into their own blockbuster cinematic universe, the FFCU. And these movies aren't going anywhere. Vin Diesel announced that in addition to Fast 8 in production now, 9 and 10 are also greenlit. That means, dear listener, that whatever problem there may be, Dom's gang is going to solve it by racing ridiculous cars down a long stretch of road very fast. And with that, let's rev up our engines, open up the valve on the nitrous canisters, and push the pedal to the metal. This panel episode of Radio vs. the Martian is all fast, all furious. Let's meet our panel. I am pleased to introduce for the very first time author, blogger, and host of the Spilled Milk podcast, Matthew Amster-Burton. Welcome, Matthew. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for joining us. Next, a returning panelist, inexplicably in our studio... (laughs) Screenwriter, film buff, and producer of SciFest LA, the first science fiction theater festival. Matt Goodman, glad to have you here on Terra Firma. It's wonderful to be here, and uh, physically, and as well as mentally. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. And last but not least, Brian O'Connor to my Dominic Toretto, Han to my Rome. Zachary Ty Bryan to my, whoever that guy was, (laughs) Mike Gillis. How the hell are you, Mike?
0: Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Are we ready to go, Mike? Ready to go? Oh, yes. Okay. All right. I'm going to start with you, Matthew. All right. Uh, And I'll call you Matthew because this is Matt Goodman. You're Matthew. Um, You were the one who pitched this show to me. I did. So we're often scouting out great topics from great panelists, and this one was great. uh, And I trusted you. Um, You're the progenitor of this topic, so answer this question. What the hell is Fast and the Furious, and why is it so great? Okay, well, let me start by saying I don't
2: know why I love these movies so much. (laughs) I don't have a car, and in fact, I don't have a driver's license. Oh! So I, I think somewhere, you know, deep in my lizard brain is like, you know, if I did drive a car, probably, probably I could do a 10-second quarter mile. You know, I, I don't have to prove it, so that's what that's the story I'm going with. You know, I like that these movies, uh, they they constantly reinvent themselves to. An absurd degree, like you know, it's uh, you know we're we're uh, gonna bust this drug dealer. No, we're gonna steal this drug dealer's money. No, now we're like helping Interpol. Um, you know, whatever it is, like th- there is no problem that cannot be solved by driving too fast. Yes, uh, yeah. you know, and whenever you, you can see, like whenever the movies get away from that, that's when they start to drag. Right. Um, you know, whenever whenever there's a sequence that doesn't have enough cars in it, you're like, what are they
1: doing? <laughs> It's good. Okay. Mike, I now I suspect that you are just like me and that you probably didn't see a single one of these movies before we started no. the panel. Um, what surprised you about these movies uh, relative to the impression that you had of them just by cultural osmosis?
0: Well, I had a, I, I'm had. going to just straight out say I came into this topic with a lot of preconceptions. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is a a series that I went in saying, okay this is probably not going to be my favorite thing ever, so I'm just going (laughs) to skip it. With the same kind of looking down my nose arrogance that I usually reserve for Michael Bay Transformer movies. Sure, But, you know, I went in thinking, okay, this is early 2000s douchebaggy car porn, and it's trying too hard to be cool. I went in assuming there's going to be a lot of frosted tips, a lot of Limp biscuit soundtracks, (laughs) a lot of... Color-coordinated neon cars with giant spoilers. Um, I actually got a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, But I didn't understand that on top of all of that stuff, they're a lot of fun. Um, Especially because it's a weird series in that most series don't get this many movies to eventually get it right. Most movie series, either they get it right in the first or second time, or they just disappear. Or they're about an established character like Batman. They'll try, they'll take another pass at Batman or Spider Man. Sony is showing that they will take every pass at Spider Man and reboot it every three years until they get it right, just so Marvel doesn't get the rights back. But these are about non established characters. You know, Dom Toretto was created for the Fast and the Furious franchise. And it's kind of funny that for all the time they spent around the year 2000 with the Triple X movies, Uh, trying to turn him into the new Bond. It was this series that eventually turned him into a new era Bond. That I didn't expect this to turn from in the first movie, which is essentially a knockoff of... um, What is that movie, the surfer movie I'm thinking of, Point Break? Yeah. Where it's a bunch of thrill seekers who also rob stuff, and then an undercover cop goes and infiltrates them, learns to respect them and love them, and lets them go at the end. So it's the exact same Mm -hmm. plot, just Mm -hmm. with cars Mm -hmm. and street racing as the subculture rather than surfing. But I don't know when, somewhere along this line, we have them battling (laughs) supervillains. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And they're being called in by essentially... The the Rock's uh, secret police organization, which has a jurisdiction of wherever the fuck we want and doing whatever (laughs) we want to do, and go wherever we want. And they're being hired by this group. They're saying, you know what? We've got a a doomsday weapon in the hands of a psychopath. You know what we need to solve this problem? Street racers. And then they make it work. They make it work. And I think what, at the heart of it that I really love is that There's a quality that we both love, and that quality is what we call absurd macho bullshit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the thing I've really kind of figured out is it's the hardest thing in the world to do well. There are so many dumb movies out there, and doing a dumb, fun movie that can be aggressively dumb, aggressively awesome, but isn't like doing the Sharknado thing of winking at the camera constantly. Mm -hmm. Right. That is so hard. And I think this movie series manages to find that right balance of... Doing it with a straight face and doing it with a level of sincerity and commitment from all the people involved. And I came out of this being a major fan of this franchise. It's surprising. Ah, Another
1: one down. (laughs) (laughs) So, Matt, I haven't got to you. Uh, You're my go-to film buff. I mean, you just are. Thank you. You may may not have wanted to be it, but you are. I'm still – I was really not sure whether you were – where you were on these films – uh, I do know that you have more than a passing interest in automobiles. As yes, a thing. I do. Yes, I And do. also, you've written crime action movies before. Yes, I have. So this kind of seems like a natural fit, but I'm sensing that maybe it isn't. But but based on that, I want to know, um, are these movies going to be remembered as important to the art form? Or <laughs> are they just kind of the same kind of commercially successful popcorn ephemera that you expect from like the Twilight series or Pirates of the Caribbean or something?
3: I think if conventions start to spring up and people dress up like these characters and the fan fiction and all the expanding universe kind of things that come from fandom, normally that's what makes these franchises so big. From what I can tell, this one doesn't have any of those things. Hmm.
2: Wait, you're saying, so I imagine there's got to be fan fiction about like everybody fucking everybody for these movies, <laughs>
3: right? Oh, sure, it's probably a lot of Dom and... The uh, Rock. You know, Jason Statham, oh yeah, right, sir. or 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 The Rock, or um, I would think I think this franchise is unique, hmm. and we may be seeing something in the future that's trying going to try to emulate it. But I don't think there's ever been anything like this before. I am a huge car fan. Um, oddly enough, I don't like cars that are modified, so oh. that is a problem. Um, but I saw the first movie, and then when I heard that we were going to do the show, I thought. Okay, now I have to go watch all of the rest of them. Right, and then when I started to do that, I realized that I had already seen them all. <laughs> now, and I, and I'm like the guy, like who, metaphorically, or you actually did see them. I all. literally have seen okay. all of them already. Okay, in and never in a theater, in a screening room by happenstance, or on television or something. Right, and I have absorbed all of these characters and everything that they've done. Uh, I hate to say for the fans that the third one for me is I like, uh, from the Halloween franchise, um, season of the witch is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. So for the third one for me actually kind of worked cause it's separate from the whole universe. And I like Japan and the Yakuza and anything with the Yakuza I'm kind of okay with. Sure. Um, but this particular franchise is the first time I've ever seen anything quite like this. And, um, it's already been mentioned, but it doesn't wink at the audience. The audience is global, young. Uh, they go see the superhero films. They go see, you know, Harry Potter. They see all that stuff. Those movies are huge internationally. But this particular franchise, they're they're not even antiheroes. They're literally criminals. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Like, they're terrible people. And, <laughs> and even the even
3: the good guys who are like you know that show up in body armor and work for some international uh, you know uh, peace force or whatever it is with Dwayne Johnson, um, they're also clearly rogue from you know the normal uh, law enforcement. Right, when you have the rock pointing
1: a gun at the, oh, yes. at the Interpol guy, because he's like, no, I can't let you. He pulls right. out it's... his fucking huge revolver and is like, no, I'm sorry, I can't let you arrest Dominic. Right, because we <laughs> have
2: like, to save what? this
1: one person
2: <laughs> <laughs> at the risk of letting the bad guy get away with the super weapon.
0: Yeah, of course. Be- because it's about loyalty.
3: Yes, well, it's yeah. all about family. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And everywhere else in the world, seemingly, outside of the America or the West, it seems like, Family is really what's most important, hmm. and it isn't That's about true. a one-man army. It isn't about a, a uh, an ensemble for ensemble's sake. This is a family, and when they start, when he starts having these speeches where it's action, 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 and then it'll stop, and Dom will stand there, and everyone will stand around, and it'll be like family.
0: Right. Now that's not a good that
3: sounds more like Stallone right. because I'm you know in my mid forties so I don't know how to do a DOM. Yeah, I have been like, trying,
2: like I knew I was gonna be on the show, so I'm like we've gotta do some some uh you know Vin Diesel impressions. I can't
3: do it. I can do Iron Giant, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm sure we can all do Groot. Yeah. Right. But I, again, I think this is unique. We've never seen anything like it. There's mm. been attempts at other automotive franchises Triple X. I didn't even think of that. I mean, that yeah. is very a uh, vehicle based. It's clearly he only did one. The second one is Ice uh, uh Ice Cube, Ice Cube yeah. right? And and that leads me into what I what my entire take on the Fast and Furious franchises. And first of all, I love Gal um, because one oh, woman. Yeah. Um Gina Carano mm-hmm. to just I literally watch her paint you know, like offense. Uh, she know, was so amazing know. in Haywire when she showed up. I'm like, yes, I love she gets another I role. Where she used to be a badass. I think Haywire is excellent. Yeah. Um. So, for me, it's the first time I've ever seen anything like it. And anything that's new, that's successful, even if it's not for me, I think it's exciting. Hmm. That's that's really good. Before we go any further,
1: I think this. is So I didn't know anything about these movies other than the trailers. But the thing that stands out for a lot of people, especially those that have not seen them, is. Title variation. This is I don't oh, I don't, I don't, I don't not know if this has odd. ever been done. So let's address this. What is this like the most absurd title naming convention Hollywood has ever invented? Yes, I
3: I, I can't even quantify it. Well, it's I think, unplanned. i and yeah. that's maybe one of the benefits of the franchise that it is it, it, it was unplanned because I can't
0: tell which is which. <laughs> I can't. I think the thing that's kind of funny with it is that I think they finally hit a groove where they alternate between just having fast or just having furious in the title. So it's The Fast and the Furious, Mm -hmm. then Too Fast, Too Furious. That's a number two. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. Mm -hmm. Fast and Furious, you cut out the two times. Mm -hmm. Then you have Fast Five, Fast and Furious Six, Furious 7, and I think we're back fast to eight. Fast, eight. fast 8. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah yep. Fast 5, it, the eight, 5 is spelt out as a word, but mm-hmm. then oh, yeah. it's a number from then on. So <laughs> <Yes>. Fast <laughs> right. 8 isn't E-I-G-H-T, it's just the number yes. 8. Yes. Yes. And on that level, I really love it because when is the last film franchise that was willing to have a big number in the title? Yeah. 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 Everything get... is always like blah, 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 Resurrection or Origins right. or, right. you know, like, you know, it's, it's always something with... Kind of a pretentious, I, awesome-sounding I, title. I, I,
1: yeah, I always think it, was, it seems like a Faulkner story or something. The it's exactly the like a Faulkner and, story. And it's, it seems yeah.
0: like it takes itself too seriously, and I
1: think that's why it totally works for them to butcher it up by adding numerals and cutting off parts of it, because it has more syllables than the Shawshank Redemption, which is usually <laughs> poison for a movie. <laughs> you you know?
0: I, I just kind of love it because I, there's a sincerity in these movies, and I think yeah. that's what made me really love it is that I think Vin Diesel, in many ways, is to this series what Lawrence Fishburne is to The Matrix, Mm -hmm. which is you have an absurd premise with absurd things happening and nothing is subtle about anything, not with any of Dom's speeches, not with any of the action, not with the crazy shit people are constantly doing, Mm -hmm. but he just owns it. There is a commitment to his character and to the premise where Vin Diesel really believes it. And I think that just on the sheer sure power of how into that family premise everyone is, that's what carries it. That's why things that constantly wink at the camera usually don't work. Like all these movies like Sharknado are always trying to tell you, hey, look how stupid this is. Isn't that funny? Isn't that stupid? But this one, it's just like, isn't this awesome? Yeah. yeah. And this is amazing. And it's completely straight faced, it's bonkers. There's a self awareness about how bonkers it is. But nobody breaks. Nobody corpses. Nobody laughs. Shameless. <laughs> yeah. But
3: but yeah. not in a not in a uh, you know later I feel bad about it way. Shameless in a no. This is what we want, and we don't care what you want. We're going to make the movie that we know our audience wants to see, and that I mean I don't. Isn't that what it's for? I mean, it's not all art house stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It and, shouldn't all be. No. no. Exactly.
2: Um. I, And I mean, we've we've said again, you know, again and again that these that these movies, there's there's a sincerity to them. But there's also, you know, at at some point, the writing started to get smart, not not necessarily in terms of story, but in terms of, uh, you know, these movies are funny.
1: Uh, You know, they Tyrese
2: gets a lot of great
1: lines. They Uh, get get character moments between the various characters, which can flesh them out as being people who actually care about each
0: other. Right. You know. And everyone has something to do. Everyone has a role in the story. And I think that the fact that they have an ensemble cast as big as they do. I remember saying, uh, I was in film school once, and I had an instructor tell me that the show that always impressed him the most was Star Trek The Next Generation, because you would frequently have seven people in the same room, and they would all have something to say or do. They would all contribute in some way. And I think The Fast and the Furious is just like a master's course. In not just shuffling people off to the side, that every action sequence is, in reality, like four action sequences. They're just layered on top of each other. There's enough secondary, you know, memorable bad guys for everyone to sort of take on. It's like Dom can take on Jason Statham. There's some weird parkour ninja for for, uh, um, Paul Walker to fight. I mean... (laughs)
1: When did he become a Kung Fu master? Like there's some point in time. In between. Oh, yeah. yeah in, uh, in well, between. I mean, They teach that at the
0: FBI like, Academy, right? Sure. Like Ludacris is the tech guy, right? <laughs> yes. And there's a scene when they're breaking into that vault in Abu Dhabi that a ninja breaks in, and he starts martial arts sitting with him. And it's like, well, everybody knows how to fight. <laughs> yeah, and I know. I'm, it's like, you're the cue of the group, and even you know Kung Fu. Right. <laughs> No, I assume like anyone I see in a movie
2: if they had to they could kill me with one punch and it doesn't matter what movie it is. It could be you know, like love story. Like <laughs> if I stepped into that movie and tried to and tried to like start something with one of them, you know, bam, I'm dead.
0: There's like a base level of awesome that yeah. everybody has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I think really works is that you have these these separate action sequences happening, but every so often they'll overlap, people will switch opponents. And it's just these characters constantly doing absurd things and rescuing each other. That it isn't just, you know, the Dom Toretto show, Vin Diesel in the driver's seat all the time. It's, you know, he's in peril sometimes. And he gets rescued by Gal Gadot or by, uh, you know, Dwayne Johnson or by Michelle Rodriguez. I mean, there's like one sequence in, I think, Furious 7 or Fast 7. I can't even keep these (laughs) titles straight. But... There's, they're like fighting on a mountain road that they parachuted their cars down yes. into, by the oh, way. Oh, yes.
2: Holy this shit. This is a very good and idea.
0: There's times that I stop and i like, wait, that was all in the same movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, they parachute their cars down onto this mountain road by driving out of the back of like a bomber. Um, and they're battling a bus that has miniguns on the side. Paul Walker gets inside of it. I think that he's just on the top of one of the other cars after his car gets trashed. Mm-hmm. And he's battling a parkour ninja. The car... The bus starts to crash and is careening towards this ravine. It's going to go off a cliff. Bad guy, ninja, gets out the back, locks Paul Walker in. Yes. Now he's in a ling- you know literal cliffhanger. He is dangling <laughs> on the side of this bus, climbs out, and is running up the bus as it's going off the cliff. He's going to dive for the cliff, but it's still not close enough. And it's at that point Michelle Rodriguez barrels towards him and hits the brakes, fishtails her car around, and is just enough for him to be able to grab her spoiler. <laughs> yes. And she's able to swing him yeah. to safety. I just got arm chills. Yeah. <laughs> now, I've seen the
3: movie. I didn't get him when I saw it. But I just got arm chills from you telling me about it again. So I
0: got to revisit. And it's great. She just gets out cool as ever and just says... You okay? And he just goes, "Thank you." It's Monday. Yeah. This this is a world with where physics do not
2: apply. Oh fuck oh, physics! So okay. Yeah, the part in Fast Six uh, uh, where they're they're being chased by the tank and they're going oh, yeah. across the bridge and uh, and uh, Vin Diesel has to has to jump to catch uh, Michelle Rodriguez before she goes off the bridge and into the ravine.
0: That made a whole lot of sense, right? <laughs> he intentionally crashes his car. Right, like in so, a causeway yes. to himself, between yes.
1: them, and he somehow is able to get just the right angle to catch her and then fall on the
0: Well, he played car. a lot
1: of missile command or yes. something.
0: Because <laughs> that's the thing you really learn in these movies is that cars are fucking magical. Yes. Yeah. That as long as you fall from any height, it doesn't matter what you're falling towards or what you fell off or how fast you're going, if your fall is broken by a car... You are going to be okay. Well, and also,
2: you can jump out of a car moving at any speed, and as long as you roll over a couple of times, you'll be all right.
0: Oh, you're golden at that point. It's it's amazing, <laughs> the shit in this movie.
1: This this leads me to to the one question that I wanted to ask is, if you've seen all of them or enough of them, you realize that they kind of have elements that are just obligatory to every one of them, mm-hmm. and I want to pull the room with your favorite sort of obligatory Fast and the Furious oh, element. Yes. So mine is... Um, car babes with very little clothes. Uh huh. So it's uh, and not because I'm like a horn dog or anything, but oh. uh, like I think that finding unique revealing car babe outfits in the order of like dozens of them is either a costume designer's worst nightmare or like their wildest dream. Sure. Like it's either like the best job in the world for a costume designer or it's the worst
3: one? I've met a few and they're not, they're not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a few costume designers or car babes?
3: I, I, both. <laughs> but I think that most costume designers are, you know, they're excited to work, but they're not, you know, titillated by oh, okay. the car babes. I just, I mean, th- that, those
1: scenes always have like a complete lack of self-awareness because it's like, okay, we're just doing this now. It's a hip hop video in the middle of this movie and it'll be done in three minutes and that's it. And yeah. Guy-
2: and it seems like they've, they've invented like a special ass cam for these <laughs> movies. Yes, they <that> yes. can <laughs> like, you know, pivot ha- on some sort of rack and yeah. like just go around the ass. Right,
0: I can imagine that the woman wh- whose ass we're following into this scene has some kind of steady cam that <laughs> yes, she's wearing on exactly. her head, and it's like, she has an incredibly strong neck <laughs> yeah. to yeah. carry this. What's, but, what's
1: your guys' favorite favorite obligatory Fast and the Furious element?
0: I've got one. Product placement for Corona and NOS. Yes! Right. Um, yes. Uh, NOS, um, which I had to actually Google... Uh, nitrous oxide, yep. which I can tell is a magical device that you you put this canister in your car, and it's basically a cross between the Mario Kart mushroom <laughs> and a warp drive. Yes,
4: yeah.
0: that you. They hit very this much button. are
1: going warp in the first movie. Like I when they're going, it's yeah.
0: like it looks like it's like gravitational lensing around their car. They're going like yes, blah, 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 blah. it's everything except stars going into hyperdrive right. in front of you. <laughs> and if you hit it at the right time, it's kind of like with the. The the crane kick from Karate Kid, if done right, no Ken block. <laughs>
2: yes, you notice in in that first movie, uh, when uh, when Paul Walker, there's a point where Paul Walker is driving his car like you know beyond the limits of what the car can do, and bolts are actually popping out from the interior of the car. I feel like if I were writing a car movie,
3: this is what I would have done.
2: Like uh, I don't know, bolts are popping out. Yeah, there's it's, a
3: laptop. Yeah. The, he's yes. working a laptop and it says oh, manifold right. failure Right, and he, yeah. and he, and he, and he then, shuts and then, the laptop beep. and then the floor and he's like forget it and then the floor of the car falls off yeah. and there's yes. bolts shooting out everywhere so if
0: he needs to stop he can Flintstones it yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because it's essentially the Enterprise in that moment yeah that I yep. just the only thing he doesn't do is jettison the engine and explode it to send him away <laughs> from something like they and do with to the to save some drive. whales yes
1: Either of like, you, do either of you two have like your favorite obligatory element yes
2: I do pardons oh yeah oh god in every single one of these movies i think uh people do things that they should get the death penalty for. Like, you know, in uh, in Fast 2, Too Fast, Too Furious, there's a part where uh, Paul Walker and Tyrese uh, are trying to, they're trying to outwit the Miami Police Department so that they and their their buddies at Customs can, can take down this drug dealer. Right. Why they didn't just call the Miami Police Department, I don't know. <laughs> but in order to throw them off the trail, they lead them to this building where all of their car-driving buddies, Then uh, they lead the cops to this building, and all their car driving buddies like drive out of this warehouse and basically drive over the cops yes. and you know crushing
1: cars right, crushing was, cop cars you know, it was a,
2: it was a massacre like like 17 cops died that day <laughs> you know <laughs> 10 minutes later like you know pardons for all your decoy buddies <laughs> and uh you know there's in uh, in fast 6 uh uh, they say, you know, they'll help The Rock uh, take down this international supervillain, but only if they get full pardons all around. And he's like, okay. And then later, when they have to go save uh, save uh, Paul Walker's wife, uh, The Rock says, "If you walk out that door, pardon words like pardon are off the table." <laughs> <laughs>
0: and uh, they go save her. Then they get pardoned anyway. Yes. It's fine. He just carries them around in like a silver briefcase. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another favorite moment of mine. Uh, bits. There's always a scene where they lay out what the crazy-ass plan is. And then yes. somebody, usually Tyrese Gibson, mm-hmm. so is like, this is fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this is nuts. This is nuts. And then uh, Vin Diesel's like, we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. And then we're with you, Dom. <laughs> well, it's that's like, for, that's we're doing the,
3: this as a family. That's for the people who are in the theater and they don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. so this is stupid. Yeah. And it makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> and they spend $5 million on the girls' clothes and Dom is wearing the same... Tank top from yeah. the first movie, <laughs> and for some reason Brian, uh, wears a black t-shirt and jeans, and that's it. Yeah, and, and it doesn't matter where he is. I mean, is there a time in these movies where he wears like a, a tuxedo, a suit? Is he ever go undercover? He looks like, When they go it's to like Abu Dhabi, right. he dresses up real nice. That's white it. privilege costuming. Yes. Where everybody else has to be to the nines and has to have, and he just kind of shows up and he's like, I'm a Mormon, I have a shirt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God he stopped uh, dyeing his hair blonde in later movies. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 yeah, they so, call him Blondie at one point, and his hair is dark as anyone else's, yeah. and it's just silly. Well, that's just bad writing. Okay, <laughs> here's here's another
2: thing that comes up in most of them is uh, Jordana Brewster, Mia um, being given absolutely nothing to do except like hold a baby, and yeah. occasionally they cut to her like you know, yep, she's she's still a woman. She gets to be concerned
1: uh, for her for the males in her family, right? She's like, oh,
2: uh, like I think at this point they're probably doing it on purpose. Uh, but uh, has any character been so mistreated by a franchise?
3: <laughs> like, from the beginning.
2: Just... From right. the beginning. Yeah, from, right. from movie number one. Occasionally she gets to get in a car. Uh, I think she drives a car like one or two times in the entire series. But usually she, she has no, to she sit in the No, she can drive fast, seat. too. I mean, she oh, yeah. can clearly drive fast, Yeah, too. she's part of the heist as, as in the well. beginning of five. Yeah.
3: yeah as, so. as, oh, I, fast as well. Sorry, sorry. And she <laughs> she makes, can drive fast four. And <laughs> she makes the best, tu- is it a tuna sandwich? Yes. yes. Right. She makes the best tuna sandwich in... I think it's East LA. I'm not sure. It looks like East LA. It seems like it's trying
2: to be East LA. But in a later movie it's revealed that those sandwiches actually weren't very good and, and Paul Walker was actually just coming there to talk to her. For the yeah, he yes. has an iron stomach. For the yeah. eventual for the eventual sex.
0: Right. Yes. What I kinda I love in this though, the weird thing, the of course the disservice done to Mia in that is that for a series that has a lot of follow ass into scenes. Yeah. Um the women characters actually get a lot of stuff to do. Yeah, that they're treated. Cons- considering
1: you know, they spun like basically the la- almost the last half of it around Letty's disappearance and reappearance. Yes. like so much of the actual character driven plot is around her redemption. Right.
0: Yeah, the the cool amnesia thing, yeah. and uh, what I kinda- cool in air quotes. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm a comic book fan, so all of this is old hat to oh, me. Sure. That's what made this thing just f- slide right on like a glove. Is that these are essentially comic books? Oh not- yeah, for sure. Not comic book movies. Comic books, right? Where you have so but, but, much. But shit. are they cartoons? They are cartoons, but I, I think it's the fact that you have recurring villains. Mm-hmm. You have team ups between yeah. the hero and the guy who's chasing him. There's that moment where like yep. we need to come together for a bigger fight. That gets me every time. I <laughs> oh, love that. that is the coolest, <laughs> most manliest handshake. <laughs> I'll, I'll ride with you, Dom. <laughs> oh, there's doomsday weapons. Yeah. Uh, the laws of physics defied, spat in the face of. Uh, we have snappy, macho dialogue, continuity between the movies. You have last page cliffhangers where it's revealed that the villain of the next movie is here. Yep. And it's a big deal. Jason Statham. <laughs> yeah. And then you have uh, characters who have amnesia and have been brainwashed into working for the bad guys for a movie right. before they get pulled at it right. and become their heroic self again. I mean, this shit is stuff I grew up <laughs> on, and I realize, like, wait a minute—that's why I recognize some of this stuff so much. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a comic book, and yeah. I fucking love it.
1: Okay, and with that, we'll take our first break, and we'll be back with more Fast and Furious.
0: Who here likes comic books? Ah! Who likes superheroes? WHO LIKES SUPERHERO COMIC BOOKS? Ah! FROM THE NINETIES!
1: That's what I thought. Hey there, I'm Nathaniel Wayne from the Council of Geeks. And though I've always loved superheroes, the only time
3: I was buying monthly issues was during the much maligned 1990s. I've decided to go through my personal collection, issue by issue, and in my own little way, try to answer the question, were 90s comics really that bad? Chances are the answer will be yes, but I think these books deserve another chance and they're going to get it on 90s Comics Retrial, part of the Council of Geeks podcast, available on iTunes and at 90scomicsretrial.wordpress.com.
1: And we're back. This is our panel episode on Fast and Furious. And I wanted to talk about something because there's been seven of these movies, and the majority of these movies have been directed by Justin Lin, Mm -hmm. who's now... Clearly his own known quantity in his own right because he just directed the new Star Trek movie, which is really, really good. But I think Justin Lin, I th- and this is my opinion, can be said as to be the guy who saved the franchise. I mean, he's he starts at Tokyo Drift, which is the weird outlier of the whole thing. Yeah. But as you move from 4 and especially into 5, you can see that he's moved this franchise into something that it wasn't originally. It became about... About the boiled down about the heist movies and about the the family and the ensemble, Um, what do you guys think that Justin Lin's legacy for the franchise is going to be as we move forward? Because he's F Gary Gray is doing the eighth one, and he's probably not going to do one ever again. So, what do you guys think his legacy is going to Justin Lin's legacy is going to be?
2: Well, I mean, I think they've rounded that corner. I think they've they uh, you know. Uh, like like you said, they had time to work this out uh, that that most franchises don't get and uh, you know the first <laughs> the first four movies were, were are not the best uh, you know I think five is my favorite I think mm. that's uh, that's where they really uh, hit their stride and I've enjoyed uh, that one and all the ones since uh, you know as much as any uh, and I think uh, you know the 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 uh, the job for anyone who takes the helm of this franchise at this point is uh, is
0: don't screw up what's working yeah, um, don't break and the choice.
2: Uh, that's hard to do so we'll see what happens yeah.
0: I I totally kind of agree with that. I think that a lot of it comes down to reinventing the franchise, that the legacy of the Fast and the Furious is the thing that Justin Lin created. And I think what's really interesting is rather than disavowing the bits and pieces, the the previous movies, he took parts of them that really worked and brought them together. I mean, essentially, from four onward, this is the Avengers yeah. This is bits and pieces from other movies. The first movie, of course, you know, Vin Diesel, Paul Walker. Second one is, you know, the continuing adventures of Paul Walker and Tyrese Gibson going undercover. Mm-hmm. The third one is a completely separate story in Japan. With Han. With Han. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the thing is that then we take characters from all of these separate movies, these people who were not connected. And we turn them into essentially a car-themed superhero team and bring them all together in a massive crossover. Hmm. And then they become the new ensemble. It isn't just, this is undercover stories taking on drug dealers, or this is uh, about street racing. It's about all of those things. But it's essentially about giant, crazy, over-the-top action and family and that's the stuff that really kind of came in with Justin Lynn. He's the one who made that stuff happen. Mm. The reason this series is still going is Justin Lynn yeah
1: right? now I think Matt you had some you had some sort uh, of an alternate take on the kind of obviously the vision that Justin Lynn had for the movie that it's that it's evolved into around the diversity of
3: the characters that are in the story I exactly. Um, like I said earlier, uh, I, I don't think I've, there's ever been anything quite like this before. And when I was doing the research and thought I had to rewatch these movies, I looked it up online and tried to find. And there was a packet that you could buy. It was a package deal. You could get the first three movies for twelve ninety nine, dollars or you could get at four through seven as another bundle hmm. or all of them together. The marketing department knows their audience and they know that there are people who who uh, understand that the first three um, there are elements from them that could pulled into the later films where we are now. but there's also probably a whole generation of, of fans that don't acknowledge the first three hmm. and because obviously they wouldn't have them bundled together in this way right So looking at from that perspective, anything after three, even though the third one was directed by by Justin, seemingly, narratively, uh, as a fan, you could be the kind of... I guarantee you that they're uh, fans of the Fast and Furious franchise and they hang out together and maybe some are a little older or a little younger. There is probably a prequels versus original versus new argument going... The first one is, obviously, they know nothing about cars in the car culture. It was a a studio taking a, a small piece and turning it into something bigger... And the second one, they didn't really know what they were doing either. The third one makes total sense. They go to Asia. That's where you know that's where the film financing is. That's where the larger market is. There was a huge um, you know Asian and uh, Pacific uh, interest in this, especially the cars themselves. But when it really comes down to it, someone has already realized that their audience can take or leave the first three. Hmm. And where we are now is a parallel to the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe for. A larger international demographic that is, from top to bottom, uh, you know, a diverse ethnic and uh, you know, sexuality, ethnicity, nationality, right. continents. This is not a uh, you know, uh, Northern European American franchise. Yep. the 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 amount of people who see this movie in North America in Europe um, is a fraction yeah. of the people who have any interest in the film at all. And that ownership, some of it's financial, some of it's international markets, and this is just where all films are going. Mm-hmm. But really when it comes down to it, these markets uh, will reward you for being honest, the family angle, and knowing the characters well enough to take the things that work from the original stuff and leave all the crap behind when the white guys were trying to take your money and... And show you all these cars that you think are so fancy. Now you've got people who love the world, love the audience, and aren't trying to steal their money. They're trying to give them heroes that they can be. Hmm. Not to aspire to, but you really can look at the screen and pick from white Mormon to <laughs> yeah. lesbian, you know, uh, Latina, right? And in that's not that far spread, but you've got the whole world represented, yeah, and you know, in, including Israel. Sure, yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, and and I, I we're jumping to another point, but. Um,
1: like I know that this perspective belies my American prejudices about movies, but I I get a little suspicious, you know, when you see the end credits of Fast and the Furious Seven, and you basically see that the production was clearly beholden to the United Arab Emirates Ministry of Tourism and the largest film company in China, like sure. uh, state state run state run, yes, film company in China, uh, and uh, you know I, you know maybe it's just like the dual stupidity of the fact that movie. Box office returns have to be ever larger and uh, they have to get more homogenous like to, to make that happen. Right. But are we going to see I mean, I'm, this is a long way of me saying, like, are we going to see Fast and the Furious get more like bland and more risk averse as we go forward because of the idea to have to bend to the other the, the other markets and to try to make it safe for. Safe for other audiences?
3: I don't think the young audiences around the world are looking for safe. I mean, mm-hmm. I- yeah. the demographics of the earth are everyone's under 30. Right, yeah. And right. they haven't gone to India yet.
0: And I think That's based true. on the, the very things you just said, it would have gone there by now. It would have hmm. ruined yeah. itself by now. And I think the the elements that are popular are only getting more and more pronounced from movie to movie that they're taking bigger risks and doing crazier things. And as far as the diversity of the cast, what I love the most about it is how little of a deal the movie itself makes. That mm-hmm. I've seen so many movies out there that, that make a real effort to have an international cast, and it usually feels very forced, or it feels like the get-along gang. I mean, even Star Trek. I love Star Trek to death. But the international cast seems pushed much, much harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where in this movie... You know, we have um, only one white male character yeah. in the cast of this, this group. And he's dead. Yeah. And he's not <laughs> wait, even wait. there now. You
1: don't, you don't consider Dominic Toretto to be a white male?
0: Well, um, that's the thing. Speaking to his Vin character Diesel is, himself. Isn't
1: his character
3: Italian?
0: Yeah, but Vin Diesel himself had refers to himself as ethnically ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is how uh-oh. his
3: career began. He made a short right. film oh, that's right. about not being able to be cast because nobody knew what he was. Hmm. Steven Spielberg saw it.
0: And um, put him in Private Ryan. And there you go. Interesting. But yeah, one white guy, you have multiple black male characters, Mm -hmm. you have a Latino woman, Korean guy, Israeli woman. Um, And when they bring on, you know, The Rock, as I guess he starts out as sort of an opponent who becomes an ally, Mm -hmm. it's a Samoan guy. Yeah. So and yeah. he and that was one of the funny things in the movie when he calls um, Ludicrous on his cell phone. What does Ludicrous have as his name? <laughs> I love this so much. Samoan Thor. <laughs> <laughs> so ah. and that's the thing is they ne- aside from that cell phone thing, there's there's almost no mention of ethnicity other than I used to live in this city or that city. Um, it's just a sense of this is what the world looks like, and we are a globe trotting group of people with people from all over the world, and this is what a family like that looks like, hmm. and. And it's kind of neat because then the family aspect actually has, you know, things that they're not overtly touching on, which is it's a family that crosses all those borders and crosses all those ethnicities and and cultures. And I love that it doesn't, you know, it never hits you over the head with a get-along gang message or, you know, Captain Planet or any of that. Like, I'm from this thing and here's my overdone accent. I'm a stereotype. And it's none of that. It's, it's right. really just a group of people who anyone in the world can see themselves, I mean, albeit a super awesome version of themselves, <laughs> in one of these characters.
2: Yeah, I think it's still pretty unusual to see uh, you know, two uh, leading black characters in an ensemble movie that is not explicitly marketed as a black movie. Yeah, yeah, um, and to have
0: hmm. them be very different sorts of oh, yeah. characters. The roles that you know, Tyrese Gibson and Ludacris play in the script are very different that Tyrese is essentially the face man from the A-team of their crew. Yes. (laughs) If you need somebody to be fast-talking and wear a disguise and go in and mess with the cops and usually do a whole line of bullshit... And not read the script ever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Tyrese is the guy... Also, if there's an excuse to take off his shirt, Mm -hmm. Tyrese will be there. He's done those sit-ups for a goddamn reason. (laughs) And, And then you have Ludacris, who, again, he's the tech guy. He's the guy who's usually talking to them over, over uh, Skype and, and telling yeah. them about, you know, you're heading to this part here now. Turn right. There's a bank fault thing here. you got to do this. I'm going to break into their system. I'm going to hack the net or whatever you fancy yeah. computer folks say.
3: <laughs> and yet he's still capable of fighting a ninja yes. uh-huh, if he needs to. And in contrast, say, of the most recent Avengers film, uh, Age of Ultron. Everyone's from the Anglo sphere. You're Australian. You're yep. American, and and then there's like this uh, Korean or Chinese, I forget, um, character who's a doctor. Korean, yeah. Korean, yeah. And same thing in Iron Man three. Now this is this is specifically for film financing uh, b- before the film gets made. You get 30, 40 uh, – Iron Man 3, they got $40 million from China, this state run, to feature a scientist who's famous there. probably has more fans than there are citizens in the United States <laughs> in his fan club. And he fixes Tony Stark. Tony Stark has technology to do literally anything, and yet his heart problem is fixed by Dr. Ken. Or, uh, right. So in that – and he shows up there for, I think, 30 seconds in the entire movie. That is lip service. That is the exact opposite of what's happening in... There is no Simone Thor in Avengers because yeah. mm. he's from Australia.
1: Right.
0: Right. Hmm. And it's not that he... I mean, you can say, you know, why was this or that actor picked? They're also the best person in the world who does the best thing ever. Yeah. I mean, The Rock is almost... Oh, I'm, I have more we, to say on we The need, Rock later. Well, we
1: need to talk about Hobbs. That was the next thing I was going to say is, like... Th- his I mean he is for 2016 like the highest paid actor in the world second only to Jackie Chan like he yeah. is the hottest shit ever his contribution he's great. isn't just isn't just like oh he's a very he's a very famous face he's someone who's very very well inserted himself into the ensemble and he um he is is at home right in in these movies i think it's like Valhalla now for him it's just like it's the perfect he's in the perfect spot in this and there I'm afraid
3: I think they're going to spin him off there I may think- be some trouble in in uh, in Paradise yeah uh, between him if I've heard it between him and Vin Diesel who I think is directing not the next one but the two after that or he's going to be directing some of these films hmm. and that could be difficult between the two of them but if they spun him off which they haven't done yet The Rock would be Dwayne would be the perfect choice for that Of obviously. course.
0: I I kind of feels like when he in, injected into the series, no, no, like the he's perfect already... spinoff
1: would be Sean from Tokyo, right? He
3: can totally carry an t- entire franchise uh, by himself. Sure, or the <laughs> yeah. guy the guy who drives the, the white Jetta from the first movie. Well, I think That's they right. are
2: bringing that guy back to be the white guy in the next movie.
1: Oh, are they really? I thought it just made more sense just to make make the Rock his archetype of character. Used to be a cop, now I'm an outlaw with you, but I also have a code of honor and I'm cool. Like
3: I like I don't I yeah, don't no, see why no, we, they need to... Do we they, don't need that guy. But... I mean, as the French, I mean... Wouldn't that be a great meeting to be at? Well, uh, we don't need the white guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, you know, we that's what we... the white guy, right. we, And you really don't. Yeah. No, no. Even I... the costumers think that you don't because he wears a T-shirt and jeans that, right. and everybody else is, you know, I you know, so I, I, I want yeah. to talk about
1: Paul, Paul Walker's legacy because he's no longer alive. He's not going to be in these films. Are not going to make a CGI Paul Walker to and have his brother play him like they did it you know in parts of F- F- No, Seven. he's going to
2: be a dad now he is he's he has crossed the line into into the uh, Jordana Brewster
1: realm <laughs> yeah, of, the char- domestic bliss
2: they... the
3: character is alive yes yes, yes.
1: Okay. the characters the characters alive so even though there are like like lots of those weird CGI O'Connors and like misty eyed farewell moments like Brian O'Connor is I thought he was one of the worst parts of the franchise I agree he's not that interesting um, like. How are we, knowing that he's not going to be around, how do we sort of gauge his legacy for Fast and the Furious, knowing that the franchise will continue and it will probably be better off without him?
0: I think we're better off because, I I don't know, maybe his storylines weren't as interesting to me. The, you know I, I, you know, I keep getting pulled back. I love this thing. How can I just be a regular dude now? Right. Um, that stuff wasn't as interesting to me. It's only interesting through the prism of, I want to see what Vin Diesel does. And uh, I
1: thought I missed the bullets was probably the stupidest thing in the entire down. franchise. Vin Diesel makes
0: it work, man. Yeah, well, yeah. I think it's just through, through the Ooh. sheer power of he him believing. He misses it. the bullets. I can't yeah. do it either. Yeah, it's, uh, see, he has a magical uh, uh, ability uh, uh, to both whisper and yell at the same time, and it's it's something that I I imagine that a sound a, a sound recorder, somebody who who works in a studio, is just like, I can't recreate this sound. Yeah. I can't make this <laughs> voice because it's almost like. He cannot raise his voice and talk over a screaming person.
2: Oh, you know what I want is a, uh, you know, they had the uh, IMT pain app. I want the I am Dominic Toretto app that can make <laughs> me talk like that.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, he's is, he is, really, there's a, there's a presence to Vin Diesel. And I think yeah. that... Um, he's, the,
1: he's actually the Jean-Luc Picard of this, uh, of this yeah. thing. He's the bald uh, authority figure who... He's the
0: gravity well that everyone's yes. pulled towards. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, One again, the sincerity, but I think that there's a, there's a charisma... To Vin Diesel, that's really hard to articulate. There's something mm-hmm. yeah, about he's this. He's not a
2: handsome guy. No. Um, but uh, but you
0: want to look at him. And you want to listen to him talk. Yeah. And he's not by any objective standards a great actor, but he's an awesome movie star. Yeah. Sure. You want to watch this guy. There's something about him. And it's believable the way that other people are like, Yeah, Dom, I'll do it for you. You know, if you're going there, Dom, I won't let you go in alone. We're a family. And I and it's like and if it wasn't somebody with that magnetism. Hmm. I think a lot of the stuff in this series would fall apart if not for Vin Diesel. As far as, as Paul Walker goes, I like him in many ways as sort of a sidekick character as part of both Vin Diesel's figurative but literal family. But, you know, I you can lose him. I don't think you have to replace that character. And I think that everyone else is so colorful. I think that literally colorful now, mm, too, yeah. that you don't need that white guy character to be replaced in that cast. Mm.
3: Matt, what do you what do you think about the franchise without Paul Walker? Well, the only reason why the first one got made is because you know they needed a star, and the star at the time was the biggest star in that movie was Paul Walker. And wait,
1: what was he in before Fast and Furious?
3: Uh, I think he's in uh, what's the one with uh, Pleasantville, and he's oh, he in lots in and lots of movies. He's had a long right. career, and yeah. and uh, so they're like, okay, but we'll fill it with all these less than known people that are appropriate and. It's just they were they didn't know they assumed it would he would be the lead, and that was it. And just like anything, the audience decided they know what they want better than the studios do, and the people make these decisions. And the studios didn't figure it out until four movies in. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Hmm.
0: there's a reason that even though Too Fast, Too Furious had Paul Walker as the main character, that he didn't carry over into part three. Yeah, and when they yeah. brought him back, what they really needed to bring back also was Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez and the rest of that crew. Yeah. They needed those guys. Yeah.
3: Well, Vin Diesel makes an appearance at the end yes. of 3, but Paul Walker does not, not so much. Right,
1: right. So we we got to, kind of got sidetracked. I mean, Matthew, what do you think was the is the legacy of the franchise for Paul Walker without him, you know?
0: They
2: never quite figured out what to do with him. I mean, I don't think Paul Walker was a terrible actor. I think I think they could have, you know, given, given five or six more movies with the guy, I think they might have eventually figured it out. I mean, there's that part in, uh, in Fast Six where, uh, he has to break into the prison to talk to the drug lord. I can't even remember why it made no sense. No, he doesn't even get no. information that no, 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 matters no. to finding the bad guy. No, he gets nothing. Uh, but uh, but he has to. You know, it was clearly the result of a meeting. You know, a writers' meeting. Like you know, we need to send. The, we need to do something with this guy. He's doing nothing in this movie. Mm-hmm. We need to send him on a uh, trumped up dangerous mission. And that's. I felt like that's that's what they kept having to do with the guy because he was. You know, he's a he's a piece of toast.
3: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's compartmentalized story wise. Yeah. He's compartmentalized. Because there's someone says, well, I mean, you can't have a real movie without th- without a guy who's like this. Yeah. Mm. And now you can. Mm. And that that's we're going to move in the future. And that character won't be replaced. And if it is, it, they won't look or act like him. Hmm. They,
0: they shouldn't, too. I yeah. mean, but I think really when it gets down to it is ninety nine percent of the uses of Paul Walker come from the fact that he is married to the lead character's sister.
1: Yeah, and
0: yeah. if he wasn't, then he probably would have left the series a while ago. I mean, the thing keeping him in is married to the sister lead character of the first two movies. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like the, he's like the ladder climbing son-in-law. You know, he's just like, How'd you snake your way in here? They yeah. have a lot more interesting stuff for other people in the crew to do. Yeah, of course. of course. I mean, there's a lot more ludicrous to do. Or Tyrese. Oh yeah, Tyrese Gibson gets a lot of these cool little moments, like the fact that he has a fucking plane that says <laughs> "It's Roman bitches" on the <laughs> yeah, tail. Love it. <laughs> I mean it's that kind of wonderful excess. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute
2: because so at the end of Fast 5. So in Fast 5 they decide uh they're going to make their uh they're going to take down this uh Brazilian drug lord, right? Mm-hmm. And uh and steal 100 million dollars of his money mm-hmm. and uh and disappear off the grid and and just live off that forever. <laughs> so so they each get away with maybe like 10 or 11 million. Sure. They made that money go real far. Yeah, like he Tyrese bought a plane, and he still had plenty left over. Like, I don't think that's how millions
0: work. Well, he's also a really savvy investor. Yeah, I guess so. Sure, a lot of leasing
3: going on. Well, you you mentioned something earlier about comic books. So these are, if you know the comic book world, this is all very familiar. I mean, someone said, "Oh Yeah. yeah, the life model decoy of." Uh, of uh you know a dead character they cloned him or they had they had uh you know Brian's uh you know DNA on file and, <laughs> and he looks a little different but you know we you, that's yeah. something we've all seen before in comic books so it would right. make it make a lot of uh sense in that regard so these the audience for these movies they may not know that but it works for them which means that if it works for if it worked for us and it works for them it will continue yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: It, it there's familiar beats. A lot of these tropes are really old. And
3: they're aspirational. Yeah. It's yeah. all yeah. aspirational. It's not like a, Jerry Seinfeld has a joke about um, seeing a guy drive down the highway holding a mattress on top of his car, uh, one hand on the wheel and one hand holding the mattress on top. And it's ludicrous. One And he thinks that his arm is going to stop physics from this thing <laughs> flying off. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, and he said he had to explain this to women. They didn't understand why. And he said, when you read a comic book as a young boy... This isn't this isn't archetypes this isn't myth this is these are options This is like mm. do I want to be a vigilante the, right. do I want to be the punisher do if my parents died could I become Batman and if that's true could someone kill them because Batman you know like it's it's an option so you watch this movie and it isn't like wow what a fantastical roller coaster ride you watch this movie and go when I'm 18 19 years old and I move out of my parents house could I is <laughs> Is there a way I could join? Are there crews like this? Right. Could I Could I go to race wars? Right. Could I race for slips?
2: Could right. I do some right. other buzzwords Sports. from the movie? Right, right.
0: <laughs> exactly. Could or, I battle a parkour right. ninja while surfing a door down a flight of stairs? Yes. <laughs> and if so, do I
3: need to start now? Do I need to start training now? I mean, do I – or are these just skills that are inherent to these characters and Mm. I'm never going to be able to do them? And they're – you know, you have to learn how to drive. Nowadays, uh, 90% of drivers don't know how to drive a manual transmission car. Mm -hmm. And you can barely find one now. But every one of these cars, even though if you tried to buy one with a manual, it would almost be impossible to find. Some of them now at the high-end cars, Ferraris and things, they don't even offer a manual transmission. But in a movie, cinematically, the feet hitting the clutch and the shifting with the thing – um, you need and now. I've noticed that these they're going backwards with older cars, yeah. Because you can't actually get this visual, tactile kind of stuff. Um, add something a, new because that's really a new car. part.
1: Uh, you, that you, it's a very important part too, because obviously at the be, at the the first three movies, cars were characters too. They were yeah. definitely characters. Like you wanted, you know, Dom's car was going to be a muscle car, Brian's car was going to be an import, and you imagine that for some pretty narrow stripe of the audience, they'd be like. Oh my god, like he, he how'd he put a Nissan engine into a Ford Mustang? How could you do that? Like, you know, there were probably people who were like who for them this is part of the world that they like and you know, it it, it seems as you moved into more of like, you know, spy romp, which is basically what it is now, like they that's they, it's less important. You know, so you know, Dom always has some kind of muscle car yeah, rolling I think out somewhere. Dom has the best cars. He yes. has the, yeah. But but you know, like they pay a lot less there's a lot less on-screen dialogue about what type of car it is or what engine it is um they, are they the cars are important um, but they're less of
3: characters now that important in the important first movie now. they're they're so specific they're like oh did you notice the the, the number on the engine block it belongs to this particular type of straight six super right, engine right and they're like but if it was a slightly different number it would there's just no way <laughs> yeah. there's there's a line in
2: the first movie where uh, where dom says and a standalone fuel management system, <laughs> just like a guy who just learned what a standalone fuel right. management system was. It's so great, yeah. oh. but but there's the the cars are characters in the sense that I think Dom's father's car yeah. comes back at some point. No, it's
1: because Dom's father's soul is in
2: that. Oh, car. of course, that's yes.
3: Why. Well, is and, that said literally? in No, the film? Not, that's what I always no. thought I always because thought it was because, or I mean, yeah. because I would actually think that was even cooler. Is oh, yeah. <laughs> his, his um, uncle's
2: the blower and his? Right. his <laughs> So okay, so so Matt, you're you're a car buff. What is it? What is the significance of having an engine that sticks out of the hood of the car? It seems like that's a good thing, and I wonder why I can't just go to the dealership and buy a car like that.
3: Well, first of all, first of all, you've On seen Mad Kia Sorento, you you've seen, you've seen Mad Max, yes, right, yes. Okay. Yes. Now. It's tough to tell with the original version and the British uh, Australian accents, but that thing sticking out of the hood of Dom's car is not the engine. Oh, it's a supercharger. Oh, which is a what's a supercharger? Exactly, (laughs) it's a vacuum pump. And in this, in in an old supercharger, it's a vacuum pump that instead of a turbocharger, which is a spinning impeller like a propeller that pushes more air into the engine, and thus more power, it's a constantly uh, it's a a belt-driven uh air pump that j- pushes more air into okay. an engine, but not sometimes always. Ah. So hmm. when that thing and, and in some movies they press a button and it goes right, and it's very right. cinematic. It's very similar to the cinematic uh Gatling gun. You said there were miniguns. Yeah, right. The reason why miniguns are in everything isn't because they're great. It's because they're cinematic that's yeah, yeah, spinning and yeah. there's all kinds of action. So that thing is a is basically a uh Jamming, a sucking, uh, changing the atmosphere basically by jamming more air into the engine, thus making it more powerful. But it's fake. Okay. <laughs> that, well, well, wait. We no, in what sense it. is it fake? Now, well, it, 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 you can, you do see cars of certain eras with these what they call blowers on. Okay, them. and it's just a vacuum pump that's put not sucking but pushing, and it's so cinematic that you know okay. you want to see it often. But yeah. that is on. That's literally where a carburetor would be this is a a separate piece of machinery that is laid on top that is specifically designed to just push air into an engine thus making it more powerful okay again i
2: don't own a car but if i did i would want a supercharger
3: <laughs> yeah, of course you, you, would. Would. you can buy a new car with a supercharger okay. but it's probably the size of an apple and it's electric and yes. it doesn't mm-hmm. stick out and it has none of that fun right. stuff
2: maybe i could like sculpt one out of styrofoam and glue it onto the hood of the car? <laughs> yes.
3: i think i would I, there's nothing i'd rather see than a macrame a macrame, faux, a macrame yeah, supercharger right. a fruit, oh yes a faux supercharger blower oh i on, love it on the most like Something it's just Raleigh in inappropriate. A Camry, yeah, <laughs> yes, okay, yes. okay,
0: on a hybrid. And and speaking of things that are fake, that cars don't actually do, <laughs> there is a moment. What does that th- have to do with this movie? <laughs> what are you talking about? At, at the beginning of Fast cars Five, cars can do anything. Uh, the crew breaks Dom out of a prison bus. Oh my God! And you know how, how many people?
1: How many? I, how many casualties? So
0: many. Uh,
2: well, none, many. casualties. None. It
1: said
3: on the news report that there were
1: no casualties. How is it fucking possible with all of the cars that they caused to be destroyed? No one dies.
3: Because in the script, the voiceover of the person who they shot later, who's on the news, because a <laughs> yep. studio executive or someone in a uh, screening, uh, a test screening, said, "But they murdered all those people." And they yeah. went, "No, oh, we'll just you know, we'll just throw
0: in the and everyone was fine." They had that thing from Terminator Two, Casualty 0.0. 0. Yes. That's exactly yes. Right. yes. yes. Yeah, yes. you have to put that in there. But again, Zero you know, a bunch of Cobra guys with parachutes coming down, <laughs> right? Um, but the yeah, team. How did they derail that bus? Paul Walker skids to a stop in front of it, and it flips over his car. Yeah, his, mm-hmm. apparently, whatever it is that Superman is made out of, <laughs> Paul Walker made his car out of that. Yeah. It was
3: reinforced. <laughs> that's right reinforced Reinforce covers a lot. I, yes. I once had some uh, a, a producer tell me that something I had written didn't make sense it was there was an assassin's cool loft because they all live in these really cool lofts and with giant windows that uh, you know SWAT teams can swing through and you know <laughs> it's just like a big empty room and uh, with a bed in the middle and uh, maybe a punching bag to show masculinity yep. mm-hmm. and uh and uh, someone says, uh, he says, do you smoke? And the other guy says, no. And he goes, get down! Because they had been there and someone was smoking, the assassin. So all these bullets come through the window, like blow out the windows. And the guy says to me, a guy like that would have bulletproof windows. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I said, do you want me to say that the sniper uh, has a box that says on it, armor-piercing bullets? <laughs> and he said, yeah. Great. And that, and we fixed it. Yeah. Nice. So, nice. So, you know anything could be fixed. Uh,
2: yeah, no, reinforced uh, is the explanation, I think, in uh, in Fast 7, Furious 7, uh, where uh, Dom drives off the cliff with oh, uh, yeah. with Ramsey. How is right? it possible that
1: they could fucking survive <laughs> right. tumbling down like a mile
2: and a half? Well, the answer the is because they had to reinforce the chassis or something uh, to survive the uh, the parachuting out of the plane. Of course. And that also means you can drive off a cliff.
0: But, but you're and still... That's, a- why, that's
1: why Deckard Shaw can walk away from... A head-on collision with Dom. With, Twice. With just, like, yeah. he's just, just, just going to crack his but neck. But their
3: skull, the brain inside their skull, <laughs> yeah. also has a small roll cage built yes, around it. Exactly. Yeah. Because your car will be fine.
0: Yeah. You are going to be jelly. You are a mess of blood and splintered bone. Right. You
3: are blood pudding. Which is, this is one of the reasons why sometimes I see movies and I go, well, that's a horrible idea. Someone's going to think that that's possible. Yeah. But in these movies, anyone who tries these things will be, will immediately fail. And be dead. Yeah. So i do not started, really worried about Didn't
1: it. they start doing a sort of kind of jackass style, like, warning? App, yes. like, a, a three,
0: At the end of the movie? Was it yeah. a three that Going, they the, don't die on the yeah, way home do from these the In the
3: earlier films, there were problems in that regard because it was closer to reality. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Not anymore, <laughs> certainly.
3: I mean, the, Speaking in, of closer to reality, I have to say I was so proud of myself. I was so
1: fucking proud of myself. There is a line that is uh, said, I believe, in seven- Um, Yes, because in 6, like, the progression of vehicles they have to go up against is, like, fleet of cars to tank to Mm -hmm. giant plane, and Ludacris has a line, he's like... He's at, at my my thing was holy shit. What's next in alien spacecraft? In seven, he has a line. He's like tanks, planes. What's next? Spacecraft? You know, spacecraft. Oh no! And the drones a spacecraft. I was yeah. like, I'm so proud of myself that I clearly figured out what the screenwriter was. He's like, oh yeah, let's have someone say something snarky about the increasing danger of vehicles yes. They have to go up again.
2: Okay, so speaking of that. Can, does anyone else besides me have something that they would like to
0: see these characters
2: do with cars that they have not done oh. yet? Oh, I think oh. the
0: stupidest slash awesomest thing that could happen is if Dom hits a button on the console of his car and it wraps around him like Iron Man armor <laughs> <laughs> and, and he battles a dude. Yeah. Carmack.
2: Well, you know you know, what can do that? Nos. Yes. yes, Nos can do anything. <laughs> if You put enough Nos canisters in your car, a Nos powered jetpack, it becomes a mech.
1: <laughs> so, so there, there clearly is, uh, there clearly is product placement that's here, and uh, and you know, for the first couple, uh, like episodes, it was like Nos and the energy drink because nitrous oxide is is a chemical compound that exists and it's not branded, but the name Nos and that orange logo is clearly like a company that uh, that started doing mo- car mods and like shunted that into making energy Yeah, jigs, it was never I clear to me like I never I remembered to
2: look into like which came first I, but yeah.
1: In any event like but it's also clear that Corona's is a thing that was a product placement that sort of became a staple of Dom's. Yeah. And I think it reached some kind of a crazy height in seven yep. because Mr. Nobody ha- inexplicably has a keg of Belgian beer and tries to, while mugging the camera, convince Dom to not drink Corona. But instead, those Belgian monks really figured it out. It, it made sense because uh, Corona is owned by InBev, which is a Belgian beer company. And so it's oh. totally like a, like a, hey, American guys who drink American beer. Belgian beers from our Belgian parent company. You should try one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it was kind of cool, though, when uh, when Kurt Russell wants to entice Dom into working for him, he has a bucket that has the Corona Lo- branding logo on it. On it yes. 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 drops down with the ice in it, it's, and I'm like, very he nice. actually sent somebody out to get that bucket. <laughs> yes. Yes. It wasn't enough just to go to make a run to 7-Eleven and Abu Dhabi <laughs> to pick up a right, <laughs> bunch of these things. It's like, can you get something that from 10 feet away, he knows exactly what kind of beer I have here? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe
2: I could be wearing a Corona jacket. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, oh,
1: all right. Well, with that, we we'll think we're going to take our next break, and we're going to be back with High Point, Low Point. Allegedly soccer is a beautiful game. It is when you know what's going on. That's the problem. MLS is 20 years old and people are still shocked to hear that there's an American soccer league. That's why you and I are talking about it. This is a discussion of American soccer for nerds and beginners. It's a good first step if a crippling soccer addiction is something that's missing from your life. Join the club. Celebrate the 20th anniversary of MLS by actually following the season. Hands-free football, new episodes every week at handsfreefootball.com. I And we're back with this panel episode of Radio versus the Martians. We're doing Fast and Furious franchise, the FFCU, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing, uh, this is a segment we like to call High Point, Low Point, where we go to the top of the mountain and the bottom of the barrel. Low point. How about you, Mike? What is your low point for Fast and the Furious?
0: Oh, I, I don't think Matt's going to like this, but oh. uh, my low point is Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. No. Oh. Um, I do respect the Halloween 3 element of it. I like the idea of a a film series that's willing to break from the expected. But I feel that it's the weakest one in the series because for as fun as these movies are, it's the movie that has the most things in it that are the closest to my negative preconceptions that I had before watching Oh, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) These movies are fun and they're hilarious and they're awesome and they're bonkers, batshit sincere, but there are douchey elements that do pop up even in the best of them. And in Tokyo Drift, you essentially have the most of the things I don't like and the least of the things that I do. Mm -hmm. One is, again, we're talking about the, the treatment of women in a lot of movies like this, and There are at least three scenes. As a prize, essentially. That's that's what she is. There are three scenes in this movie that, again, end with, you know, they open up with that scene that we talked about before where we follow a woman's ass into like a rave or a party or a street race. And again, women are prizes uh, and they're ogled and objectified just as much as the cars are. Yeah. They're not characters. There is no, in Tokyo Drift, there is no Letty as played by Michelle Rodriguez. There is no Giselle as played by Gal Gadot. There there is no female equivalent to those characters essentially it's essentially just the worst parts of this it's the stuff in the movies that i find the most objectionable without being counterbalanced by the stuff that i really like i mean mm-hmm. yeah we get to we objectify the guys as much too i mean there are so many scenes in these movies where tyrese gibson takes his shirt off to show you his 12 pack <laughs> but he gets to do that plus get to be funny yeah. and get to be a badass yeah. um the The lead female character, who's hardly a character in this one, is basically just bad guy's boyfriend won by good guy in a race. Yeah, yep. and then it's really just the plot, which is exactly the same plot as the original Karate Kid. Mm-hmm. You have you have this out of town kid who comes to a new city where he's immediately falling for the rich asshole's girlfriend. Sure, uh, he gets his ass kicked by asshole and his friends. And then has to train with a mentor to beat the bad guy at his own game. Mm-hmm. The only difference is that the mafia is in this one. <laughs> and there's stuff in this movie that drives me fucking mental. He's a high school kid whose father, who's supposed to stop him from killing people because the beginning of this thing starts out with him totaling a car. Um And then the fucking Yakuza show up at their house, and is pointing guns at it and he has to rescue his son. And then he just lets his fucking high school-age son, again, repeat, high school-age son, go confront the mafia on his own, because it's just something he has to do. Yeah, I I gotta take
1: care of my own mess. What the
0: fuck? He's gonna get a bullet in the face. No! No, son! (laughs) This is the point where you hold that gun on your son, and it's like, I will shoot you in the fucking leg (laughs) if it stops you from getting your head cut off by the fucking Yakuza. Um, I've, I've Question
2: that might that might kind of uh, uh, widen out to the whole series. Why do they never kiss in that movie? Oh, weird! It's Hell. very strange. I can because... tell you why. Okay, Uh-oh.
3: because of international audiences. Really? really? That's it. Really? Otherwise, have you ever seen a movie where the two leads didn't kiss? No, at the end. Or somewhere, I would say Rocky Three, but then it was the eighties. There's some some places. Well, I mean, where I guess I guess not. Uh, not okay. Maverick and
2: Iceman, never yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apollo <laughs> and Rocky uh, that's on camera, right? Exactly.
1: I would just Sorry. I just lo- I just love that in Tokyo uh either the police don't exist or they have cloaking devices because sure. you never see them. No.
0: <laughs> I think they drive past them at three hundred miles an hour and they're just like, eh, let it go. <laughs> Other than that, they just let everything go. But, uh-huh. Oh, sure. there's only one good element in this whole movie, and it's Han. Yep. Han is great. Yep. Han is a great character and he's that's the reason that he is the sole element. That they carry over into future movies. It's just and they, so
1: cool. And they do the worst possible like retconning to bring Han back in. And have him die later, and then all the technology that's present in Tokyo Drift, like we're all watching it on our same flip phone cell phones, <laughs> right. makes no fucking sense if it's supposed to take place like in 2013 or whatever it is.
2: Speaking of technology, we we haven't noted yet that at the beginning of the first movie, um, the the bad guys led by Dom are uh, hijacking a truck full of TV DVD VCRs. Yes. Oh, that was yes. sweet. It was in DVD players later. It, oh, it at it the TV beginning it was it was combo TV yeah. VCRs. Oh, those that's are hard to come sweet
0: by. Ponus, ponus. <laughs> Sonic from the late yep.
3: 90s. Oh Okay, oh. Well, to-
1: well, Tokyo Drift is your low point. Matt, what is your low point for Fast and the Furious?
3: I think it has to be the first film's complete lack of automotive knowledge. Oh. And, you know, they didn't know what they were doing. Nobody else knew. It didn't matter. They didn't know if there was an audience. So they just made it up and you know, I'm not a street racer type but I do enjoy cars and I think that or anything in a film if you have a gun and the guy says uh, John McClane says oh that's a Glock 7 it's made of porcelain and they cost five more than you make in a year it's like well no and no and no I mean if you want <laughs> tell me what it is and just, and just say they got it in like don't and, and that is like an inside joke for people who care about that stuff hmm. so at the time they didn't know but it's not hard to know they could have... I mean, it's based on an article. Yeah. You could have easily just, you know, said, let's make it so it makes sense. And if it did, and if they would made that minor change where they actually knew what they were talking about, you wouldn't have to change a shot, a character, not maybe a little line of dialogue here and there, if that movie and the one after it maybe would still be considered, like, you know, legitimate like all the more recent ones have. They screwed themselves by by not really thinking about it. At, on the other hand, it's tough It's tough to, you know, tell someone that because they didn't know it was going to work or not, and they just right. threw something out there, and it right. kind of, that movie fails in that regard, but they, it took them three movies to get back. Hmm, interesting. I'll do mine uh, because...
1: It's. I really wanted to say Tokyo Drift. I really did. Uh, Mine's Too Fast, Too Furious. Well, just just to to go through it quickly. I I just want
0: to hear you say that name again. Can I wait? Can Can I I
1: change mine? (laughs) I mean, well, the first part is that it's like the worst, and it's the most parodied of the kind of title foo that they do with it. Is like Too Fast, Too like just putting numerals is like is now a joke. It's the it is the in joke that this sort of this movie created.
3: Plus, they're not it's not <laughs> it's and not, it isn't it's not fast and yeah furious. it's slower and that's two and lies in that title and they're not furious and
1: i uh, i well, uh, probably the biggest sin of this movie is just not having dominic toretto because mm-hmm. he's the he is like the spine of the that keeps the skeleton that keeps this whole thing together um it's the dumbest overall plot thread and it, it it's relying on the o'connor thing that's is just dumb which is like the fbi or the police will take you back again and again and right. again you no, they wouldn't. He, well, wouldn't he get's pardoned they wouldn't even trust him <laughs> with the keys to the janitor closet you know he's just it's fucking he's he's a he's trouble um all of the times they say bra and bro oh, oh, oh bro. God. the dialogue in that movie
2: i'm sorry to interrupt you in no, do it you. Do but, it. Um, do it. there's there's a part where uh i think um uh Paul Walker is, is driving with one of the one of the bad guy drug runner rival types. I don't even yeah. remember what the story was. It was so dumb. And uh, <laughs> here's the dialogue. Uh, the the bad guy says, "You're a good driver." Thanks, bro.
1: <laughs> Somebody had to type that out on yeah. their laptop. Oh. I
2: didn't start that way.
1: <laughs> the, <laughs> that was
2: punched up. Yes.
1: If you hired someone
3: fifty thousand dollars a day to make yeah. that work, if you listen to the way that Kanye West speaks now, he sounds exactly like Brian from that movie. So oh, they were. That's interesting. Oh. So whoa. I, I don't know, I, and I'm not going to say, I'm just saying, but I just said. Mm. <laughs> the cookie cutter mob boss that's totally forgettable. Like,
4: oh, why is he, mm. he's
3: he's a cruel. Cole Hauser? Is that who it is? Is that, that who is? it is? I... Wings Hauser's son, is that in that one? <laughs> <laughs> Do you even know who I'm talking no. about? I know who Wings Hauser is, I haven't heard I that, think name that name that Cole, in a long time. Right, because he's, I don't know, but uh, Cole Hauser, I think is his son, and I think he's the guy in the suit who's a villain he's yeah. so
0: lame he's this like a terrible. he's like watered down he has like homeopathic Scarface <laughs> yes. he's like yes. a watered he's like a watered <laughs> down
3: Wingshauser
1: right <laughs> literally uh, I'll say that also Roman in this one they try to make a sidekick because they need they need the buddy part of it like they had in the, in the first one I think he's like the most in this movie at least he's like the most annoying comedic sidekick probably since like rob schneider and judge Dredd, like it's just yeah bad it's dumb and bad well and he also does a
2: lot of uh so let me get this straight <laughs> i'm gonna restate something someone just said
1: three minutes ago uh the dukes of hazard style landing car on the boat which is done better in that jackie chan movie The <laughs> oh, jackie chan movie was amazing and my last point not even james remar can make it work not even james mm. remar yeah. that's my low point matthew
2: Okay, so um, I rather than a film, I'm gonna pick two two scenes from a particular film. for my high point and low point. My low point is gonna be the uh, the f- uh, final action sequence in Furious Seven, and uh, the one where oh. they're they're back in downtown L.A. and uh, being pursued by Jason On Statham and Jaimon Hansu, and they've got the super uh, God's Eye weapon. Uh, and uh, there, there were many things about this that didn't work for me one is that uh, these movies do not do well in the dark uh, no. whenever there's a sequence shot uh, at night like the the plane sequence I didn't think was one of their best in fast six the uh, the finale uh, the final sequence of uh, of Tokyo drift you cannot see what's going on right. at all right um, and also I don't understand why they had two villains in Furious 7. It seemed like either of them could have been a terrific villain on their own. Uh, together, neither of them got enough screen time. Yeah, there was, I no, didn't, synergy
1: there was no synergy two. between those There was no synergy between them.
2: It was just like, we've got villain A and villain B, and uh, now we're going to see this one, and now we're going to see this one. Uh, that sequence was very disappointing for
1: me. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, now we can all drag ourselves up out of the gutter, <sighs> and we can go to high point. I'm going to go right back to you, who is the supervan- Super van. You are the super okay, van. Okay, I'm driving my super van. It's got a supercharger <laughs> mounted on the hood of the van. Made out of
2: styrofoam. It's made out of styrofoam. Matthew, what
1: was your high point for Fast and Furious?
2: Oh, it's gotta be the part in Abu Dhabi where they drive cars out of the building. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So many things about this are great. First of all, okay, so so the the bad guy, they need to uh they need to steal something out of his car. Yes, it's hidden um, in
1: his super fancy car. Everything for... about this
2: sequence is great. Uh so Vin Diesel can first of all can lift a car just because he really wants to. Uh, So he lifts the car. So He's been reinforced. Right, exactly. (laughs) So so that Paul Walker can get the chip or whatever, uh, get the MacGuffin off of the bottom of the car. Uh, Then that doesn't work so they need to escape. So they jump into the car, which is gassed up, even though it's being uh, kept in this penthouse, and uh, drive it out the window of one skyscraper into the next skyscraper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then they do it again. (laughs) And destroy a priceless Chinese art collection? Uh-huh.
3: Uh, eh, I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> it's all featured in a welcome to Abu Dhabi commercial. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, that's that's good. That's very good. It's very good. Uh, Matt Goodman, high point for
1: Fast and the Furious.
3: I've got to say, the high point for these movies is what we touched on before, which is the ethnicity and the world, uh, the you know worldwide cast in a way that isn't. You know what did you say, Captain Planet, or yeah. the Get Along, the Get Along Gang? Yeah, yeah. It it really is an international movie, and not only just you know they're not doing they're doing it for the right reasons it totally makes sense it's the one of the only things that actually makes sense in the movie that there is this because how many of these people are there you know i mean there's a few guys like this or gals like this on every continent and eventually they all could cross paths and they work it out and they become friends or enemies and that that it's like superheroes some are villains some are heroes and then they figure it out but they all sort of know each other and at some point they're all related i mean there's no way that paul walker's fictional offspring isn't going to be in well, if it's fast nine, it's going to be like nine, right? <laughs> F nine. So in, in fast 11, which would be like, there'll be a different language by then. It'll be like, well, maybe it'll be Chinese. Right. Uh, oh, 12 know, fast I 12 gar- furious. Right, exactly. <laughs> it, only if 12 is like a, a good luck number in China. <laughs> sure. Um, that kid will not look like Paul Walker. That kid no. will be brown as a nut and the world's biggest star he will already be wow. a star. he would yeah. be like some Indian star that's like the biggest thing in the world. In that element to it, even though I work in Hollywood in Los Angeles in the United States and I don't look like the cast at all <laughs> and I've never seen anyone who could be me or look like me or be related to me in any of these movies, I think that the fu- that future is a place that I want to be as a creative. Huh.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's, a, that's a ringing kind of Star Trek yeah. level endorsement of this franchise. Uh, I'll go before you, Mike. Uh, mine is Hobbes. absolutely the best part of it it should come as no surprise i mean it was absolutely the best thing to happen to the franchise he's the highest paid actor in the world just getting his name on the marquee is great but he's totally jacked which is awesome for Mm -hmm. these movies he's the like he's the he's he's got that badass demeanor and he can do goofy humor and gravitas in the same breath like he can do that same thing he can say the line He's gonna wish his mama closed her legs and have it somehow not be disgusting and yeah. trite. Like how, he's, how is he able to do that? I don't know. He's totally comfortable in it being a big over the top spectacle because that's his thing, and he steals his scenes, but he doesn't steal the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. he does not block everyone out with this brightness of his. You know, his stardom. Um, he's sidelined a bit in final. In uh, final, I was gonna say Final Fantasy. No, <laughs> he's sidelined a bit in, in Furious Seven. Um, but when he has to re-enter the movie,
0: oh, he says, yes.
1: "Daddy has to go to work." He breaks off his arm cast by flexing and just sort of like walks it off. Like yep. he's like, ah, "I don't, this broken bones it doesn't reinforced. matter anymore." And then, of course, he <laughs> follows up by saving his friends by like lugging a mini gun through the streets and blowing up the bad guy's helicopter. The only thing they missed out on the scene is having him be in the uh, hospital robe with his butt showing. Oh, that yes. would have oh. been that would have been f- hilarious gold if you drop the rock from these movies my enthusiasm would just love to see them again would, would end yeah. like you need them in these movies and he's I like I said before he's the perfect replacement for for Paul Walker he can be that used to be cop now I'm an outlaw and I'm your friend and I'm also a badass um, and he will make all of these movies that much more fun uh,
2: can I give you my favorite Hobbes line that we haven't mentioned yet no go ahead uh, to catch wolves you need
1: wolves <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so true <laughs> Mike, All right, what's the high point for you?
0: Can we start this up by giving a high five?
1: (laughs) Yes! Okay.
0: Uh, Four words. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Holy shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. I fucking love The Rock in general, and I love him in this movie in particular. It feels like the validation of him being my first favorite professional wrestler. Oh, Mm. there you go. And... I won't even debate The Rock himself when he describes himself as inter- in interviews as franchise Viagra. <laughs> yep, because he really is in almost every single way. His character Luke Hobbs is an agent for, and I wrote this down, the Diplomatic Security Service, yep. who can do whatever they want to whoever right. they want. Right, and it's like you take his character. If you were to take Arnold Schwarzenegger's character Dutch from Predator. Mm-hmm and tossed him into a blender with Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive, Nick Fury from The Avengers, and Boba Fett. <laughs> you would get Dwayne Johnson as Luke Hobbs. This guy is a fucking superhuman who looks like he's been imported from another series of action movies mm-hmm. as part of a crossover. He has. Oh, my God. <laughs> he... <laughs> and, and again, that Samoan Thor label is probably actually underplaying this character. Hmm because this is a guy who when he has a dude in an interrogation room fucking air juggles him. Yes, I love that. <laughs> he gets he hits him several times while he's still in the air and his punches <laughs> are keeping him in the air. <laughs> he is a fucking beast and it's like we've said this before about Arnold Schwarzenegger that he is so muscled that it looks like a special effect. Mm-hmm the same is true of The Rock. It mm-hmm. doesn't feel like he's quite human. It feels like we have made something better, stronger, faster, <laughs> and we've put it in a movie. And funnier. It's yeah. funny. Oh, my God. He has a wonderful smile. He has a fucking delight. Yeah. Behind
3: yeah. those eyes, There's, you know he's a really sharp, smart guy. Yeah. 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 And you, you're you not afraid of him because he's reasonable. He seems like
0: he you could reason with him if you had to. Yeah, he is... He is incredible. This is a man who crashes through windows. Many, many windows. In Fast Five alone, he crashes through five of them while punching somebody, while tackling somebody, while chasing somebody. In Furious Seven, he fights Jason Statham in his office. Oh, and the, yes. The yep. entire place is apparently made out of glass specifically for the purpose <laughs> of the rock tackling and punching people through this entire location <laughs> as an action set piece. And he uses two professional wrestling maneuvers in the course of that movie. And in the previous one, Fast Six, or Fast Furious Six, or Furious Fast Six, Furious Six. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he uses his, his old professional wrestling finishing move, the rock bottom where he puts uh, Jason Statham through a table in the most gratuitous <laughs> non-practical <laughs> way possible. And he has a scene where they're fighting that beastly henchman on the plane and Vin Diesel like catches this bad guy in a bear hug and hoists him up so the rock can get a running jumping clothesline <laughs> yeah. on the guy. It
2: flips him completely around. I love that guy. that guy's name is Kim Cold. Kim that guy. No. Cold with a K. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> it's everything that comes out of The Rock's mouth in these movies is fucking amazing. It's like this quippy, badass, and completely ludicrous with a straight face kind of stuff. It's like you take this weird walk and talk Aaron Sorkin kind of vibe to it and mix it with this like uber macho Patrick Swayze and Roadhouse thing. Mm hmm. Everything out of this guy's yes. mouth it's like it's like all the things that Tommy Lee Jones says with an extra level of ribald it's <laughs> fucking bonkers and then again that handshake where him and Dom finally team up in yeah. fast five. Is so fucking wonderful, and it's that beautiful dance that teeters between homoerotic and macho mm-hmm. that I fucking love in movies. Exactly. Yeah, they can't like even this. look at one another in the eyes. Right. Oh my God, they just it, otherwise love too, too much. much. It too much. It'd be too much yeah. it, they will blow the world apart with their love. They just need to start. They need to fall down in that moment, and start making a <laughs> Arnold you know, and
3: Carl Weathers. Yes. You
0: know something these movies do really well, and, and specifically with uh, the,
2: the Rock made me think of it is uh, they deploy their their one PG thirteen fuck really well. Yes. yes. Um, so in, in Fast Five, when uh, when The Rock says, and one more thing, get the fuck out of my, stay the fuck out of my way. Yes. <laughs> like, no one has ever said that better.
0: <laughs> I, that's what I love, is this character does Everything in the way that you expect this series to do, in the most bullshit, macho, awesome sort of way. He takes, again, a heavily armed drone out of the sky by driving an ambulance off a bridge. (laughs) And then when it crashes, punches his way through the windshield of the crashed ambulance, stumbles over, pulls out his giant revolver, And steps his foot up onto this, like, camera and points it down execution style at this, like, robot's yes. head. And then it does the best thing ever. It cuts to the guy controlling the drone who actually goes, oh, yes, yes. Oh! <laughs> that reaction shot of him actually, his eyes going wide and him jerking back as the rock finishes this thing off. They're like, Sir, somebody just double tapped our drone. <laughs>
3: This is why these movies are popular internationally, (laughs) is they're
0: all afraid of the drone. Oh, yeah. 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 That's true. And this man, this brown man, this awesome brown man just took it out. Yes. And I'm just going to go on the record with something that I think you and I can both agree with, Casey. Mm -hmm. We have waited a long time for somebody to grab the throne of absurd macho bullshit that Arnold Schwarzenegger held throughout the 1980s and early 90s. I am going to go on the record right now and say that The Rock has grabbed that thing and has actually managed to, in some ways, even transcend what Arnold Schwarzenegger has accomplished. And that is a big deal when you know how much Casey and I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is a guy who does all the macho bullshit with all the sincerity. And just like Arnold, there's this twinkle in his eye that says, this bullshit is so fucking fun. Yeah. (laughs) That's why The Rock is my high point. That's why he makes these movies brain meltingly awesome, and why I will continue to watch anything that has him again coming out of the hospital, flexing himself out of a cast, and taking down a plane with a gun that, by all right, should be on a tripod. I have a question. Uh,. Does anyone know offhand how
2: tall Arnold Schwarzenegger is and how tall the rock is? I, I don't oh. think I've ever seen them side by side, but I imagine hmm. one of those like, you know. Arnold uh, is not that big. Right. One of these like silhouette things you would see at the museum, like this is you standing next to a T Rex. Uh, you know, it would be like uh, Arnold, the rock, like towering over Arnold, and maybe the T Rex is a little bit shorter than the rock. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I believe the rock is about 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, okay. He's a big dude. Um, he and, seems even taller than that. Oh, my God. And you realize how big Vin Diesel is. He yeah. dwarfs Vin Diesel. Oh, yeah. It's like I, and again, the, the fact that he can lift a car in this, <laughs> I don't need an explanation for why, you know, somebody like Vin Diesel can do that. Everyone in these movies looks like they are constantly lifting weights if they're not on camera. Yeah. So everything is believable, and The Rock especially. He is the murderer, the assassin of the suspension of disbelief. <laughs> <laughs> that's,
1: a, that's a great endorsement. All right, this has been a great panel, guys. I almost hate to have to end it, but thank you so very much, Matthew Emster Burton, for joining us. Oh, thank you. This was so much fun. And uh, Matt Goodman in studio. Thank you for being here, man. I really appreciate you making the harrowing journey in a giant
3: tube flying at supersonic speed, subsonic speeds. Filled with explosive <laughs> explosive fuel yes. and, uh, you know, almost as exciting as being here and uh, nice. and and nowhere near as exciting as a Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, of course, Mike Gillis, thanks again. I'm glad to be here. All right. We'll see you guys on the other side.
0: Radio vs. the Martians is produced by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. Our editor was Mike Gillis. Our theme music was written and performed by Todd Maxfield Matsumoto. Find us online at radioversustheMartians.com and send us your feedback at info at com.
4: Listen up. The men we're after are professional runners. They like speed and guaranteed to go down the hardest possible
3: way. So make sure you got your thunderwear on. We find them. We take them as a team and we bring them back. And above all else, we don't ever, ever let them get in the cars. Crime scene is 10 hours old and counting, men. Let's go hunt.